0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First On Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, July 19th. It's been a little bit over a week since we last posted, but we're back. And this is actually a really good episode because there's a lot of good stuff, including football, which we haven't talked about. Or I feel like we haven't talked about in a really long time, and I'm excited to talk about it today. We've got two football topics today. Uh, we've got our new segment called Serving Up Looks that we were supposed to do last episode, which you guys have been waiting on for kind of a while now, considering we haven't posted in, in, in you know, quite a bit. So we're going to be doing that today. Uh, again, I'm not going to explain it until we come up on it. So you're going to have to listen to that point or I guess just try to skip to it and, and you know, guess and get lucky that way. But uh, yeah, then we have our rundown segment at the end, as always. And it's it's going to be a great episode today. Matt's actually on the other end here of this Zoom call. He was he was eating dinner. Matt, do you want to let our listeners know what you're eating for dinner tonight? It's
1: HelloFresh, man. They, they they kind of make it happen for you. Um, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty inexpensive, or at least it's about as about the same price as if you were to go to the grocery store. And I mean, you kind of just pick out what you want to eat, and they just they just bring it to you. All you have to do is cook it. They give you all the stuff that you need. So um, it's funny because I see them having advertisements on a bunch of youtubers and and other podcasts that i listen to and it's like that would be nice to get a, a sponsorship from hello fresh on yeah. this podcast right yeah, it
0: would Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be really nice but um yeah we're not really you know big enough for that luxury yet but we
1: will be though we will be though but um Hopefully. yeah last week i was on vacation we were going to do an episode but i don't think me either me or hayden text each other about it um, because yeah. I guess maybe I don't know I brought my mic and everything I guess I, I forgot to say something and then Hayden was probably busy too so not not really staying true to our work well uh, yeah, yeah whatever you know I was on vacation so um, I finally I finally caught up to or I guess I, I at least got I got on the board against you Hayden in terms of uh the the number of fun vacation trips that we've been on in the last that's right Six months or so. Um, I'm I've got to run on the board, but it's it's going to go late into seventh inning before we get a a taste to see if I get to uh, match you here. Going uh, going into the uh, the fall season, but anyway, uh, that's enough uh, anecdotes for for right now at least.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm actually not doing anything for the rest of the summer. Like the most exciting thing that I have left to do for the rest of the summer is move my bed frame into my bedroom in my new house for next year. And that's wow. actually something that Matt's going to be helping out with. Probably, maybe, if, you know, if he Depends when his wife. So, yeah. Maybe well, not,
1: though. Or or maybe I will. I'll just go and I'll just get a bunch of food from the places in Charlottesville. And then I'll just watch you do it yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's probably what you'll do. Um. Anyway, yes, we're going to stop bantering back and forth. And we're going to get right into the action here with the NFL. So the signing deadline came on Monday uh, for teams assigned players and new contracts because training camp is coming up and surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly at all to our listeners here, the biggest story to come out of the deadline passing was the two star running backs Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, not being able to reach a deal with their respective teams, the giants and the Raiders. Now there's a good bit to unpack here. uh, So let's do that. And then let's give our thoughts on who might be correct in these situations because a lot of people are erring on the side of the running backs and their point, um, and then there's some people that kind of err on the side. There, there's some football fans that err on the side of the teams not wanting to give running backs a certain amount of money or a lot of money after their fourth or fifth year, um, because running back shelf life shelf lives are just really short in general. So um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the floor to Matt here to kind of you know explain what he wants and then also maybe exp- explain the two sides. I kind of just explained right there. You know, it's it's kind of simple. Like. The, the running backs want more money, they think they deserve more money, and the teams think that the running backs don't have that much left in them after four or five years in the league, and so they don't want to pay them that much and waste their money on the position um, where it, it's kind of, it's kind of turning more into, you know, a multi back position rather than just like a, a one true back position. So I'm gonna give the Florida Matt here. I know that he's talked about the running back by committee in the past. So maybe that's kind of what he wants to go with here, but um, yeah, I'll give the Florida Matt. Yeah. I mean, you, you laid it
1: out and, and and I'll just kind of take it a little bit deeper here. Obviously there's two sides of this story and that's kind of the, the two sides that you explained is, is right. The, there's the, there's the pro player side, right. Which is, these, you know, these running backs are very integral parts of their respective teams uh, and and should be paid like they are the like the integral parts that they are. Right. There's the other side, though, which is, quote unquote, the evil side, or at least the uh, the, the what seems like you're siding with the owners uh, of these teams or, or the people who don't want the running backs to be paid. And, and that essentially is. These Yes, these players are integral parts of the team. However, they are essentially replacement level. And because of the way the game has changed in the last 10 years, running the ball or running back specifically have their advantages. But to a certain point, passing the ball is has been proven to be the most efficient and is what has gotten these, you know, really the last few, at least, you know, the most of the last winners of the Super Bowls to where they are. And really that's been the quarterback play, but you know, that go, that that is inclusive of the offensive scheme, the head coach, the wide receivers. um, And and realistically, you know, that's kind of how these teams have been able to win the NFL championship. And and so that's not therefore by having a a great running back and paying him a bunch of money. Now there's, I'll kind of, I'll kind of come out and say the reason why, or well, the, I guess the other reason why I was I was going to kind of go into a a, a larger a, a bigger picture thing, but I'll just kind of compare sports here. Right now, we were going to do a segment on NBA free agency. Right now, I think we're going to switch that to next week. Hayden deleted my time. To- I wrote like I spent like ten minutes writing a topic, and Hayden just goes and deletes it.
0: Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Matt.
1: So, so we'll do that probably next week and I'll have to write up another segment for it. But anyway, <laughs> the point is this NBA free agency stuff has kind of been taking over, right? Because it's like, it, you know, Oh, Kyrie, you know, he signed again with the Mavs and you know, wh- where's Damian Lillard going to go? He doesn't want to be in Portland because they just drafted Scoot, but Scoot could be, could work with Dame. And then the Heat are going to offer Dame, but nobody wants to offer Dame or nobody, they aren't agreeing on. The, and and it's James Harden. Is he going to leave all this stuff? But and and the deal is going to get done. And we saw this time and time again, you know, with realistically all of the you know the, the players in the last five or so years who have wanted to leave their teams and go get the money from another team, they've gotten that right. And here's the difference is because in the end in the NBA, there's five players on the court at all times. And so if your one player is worth that much money, or at least is good enough to, you know, increase the level of, of competition of your team, or at least just well, realistically just make your team better, then at the end of the day, it's worth it to pay that player that amount of money, right? And, and so now has that been borne out in the championships that have been won over the past couple of years? M- maybe not. It's a, it's a, you can argue that it's better to still build through the draft, but regardless, a lot of these, and a lot of these teams, you know, like, like the Nuggets are a great example. Like, you know, they paid uh, Aaron Gordon, they, you know, they kind of brought on pieces, Bruce Bowen at the end to kind of supplement what they already had in their draft. But I think, I still think in the NBA, it's, it's, it's really being, you know, kind of proven that that you have to build through the draft either way, though, a lot of these players are able to request a trade from their team, either that, or tell their team, I want this amount of money. And they get signed to that amount of money. Football is completely different though, right? Because not only is not only are there 22 total people that start on a different position on the football field, but there's, there's, there's only one of those positions, you know, is the running back. Right. And so if you kind of boil that down, like you're talking about one fifth of your team that's on the floor at any given time for an NBA team, like one fifth of your team is a really big deal. You'd want to pay that amount of money to a player who's actually worth it to be out there for you. Whereas one 22nd of your team who has now been proven that a lot of these guys can be replaced because, of how the game has changed with, you know, with, with passing the ball and whatnot. Um, it, it, it just, it just makes sense logically, objectively that these running backs are not getting the deals that they want. Right. The last running back that we saw get a deal like this was Ezekiel Elliott. Right. And this was back, I think three or four years ago, it was after, you know, he had, his rookie year was, was great. He had over a thousand yards. His, his sophomore year, I think was even better. He was kind of the last, like well, he. I think he and did he and Saquon go in the in the same draft? I don't. Hayden looked that up. Um, he he was drafted high. He he performed well on a Cowboys team that you know they haven't gotten close to the Super Bowl at all, but but have been a consistently winning team throughout the last you know four or five. Really, realistically, ever since he was drafted, and so that kind of combination of you know, yeah, the Cowboys were were playing really well, but you know, Tony Romo wasn't necessarily a running quarterback, and so when you have kind of a ground and pound, and the other thing is. The Cowboys built the offensive line to, to make it such that drafting a good running back would would make them the best, one of the best offenses in the league. And they did have the best running back for running game in the league for, for a while there, right? Before Ezekiel Elliott got there, he had Demarco Murray, who led the led the league in rushing like two years in a row. And it's like, who's this guy, right? So so you think about all of this and kind of the grand scheme of things. And 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 I think, you know, four years, or I, I guess it was a four years um after after Zeke was you know had been drafted. He got paid and he paid him a lot. I think they paid him $10 million a year, which is what Saquon uh, and and Brandon Jacobs want for, for right now, for this year. And this was, I think, you know, three or four years ago at this point. Hayden, what you got?
0: It's it's actually, so you said Brandon Jacobs and it's Josh Jacobs. You actually wrote Brandon Jacobs in the title at first. Oh,
1: well, and good catch.
0: So, yeah. And so I changed it to Josh Jacobs and then you just said Brandon Jacobs again and it's Josh Jacobs. So just to clarify. Okay. It's, Thank you. And then, but um, also to clarify your question about draft year, Saquon was drafted two years later than Zeke. He was drafted in 2018. Zeke was 2016.
1: Yeah. So that makes sense. So, right. So Zeke, Zeke got his deal before Saquon. Zeke was paid $10 million a year. Now, again, that's also Jerry Jones, who is essentially making the decisions on that. And he's kind of a sucker who was just kind of like, oh yeah, like Zeke has been such a great addition to this team. And I want to pay him because that's the right thing to do. And then it's like, the year after they paid him, he led the league in fumbles. And then the year after that, he got hurt and he didn't play that well. And now he's off the team and Tony Pollard's the starting running back, right? So if you want a prime example as to why it's it doesn't make sense to pay these running backs, that's, that's pretty much your prime example was because it's happened and it still didn't work out. Another example um, that didn't actually end up going through in terms of the deal, but still kind of led to the same result was Le'Veon Bell, uh, I guess probably five, six years ago now, when he was on the Steelers and the best running back in the league for probably four or five years, like straight when the Steelers were running, you know, Antonio Brown and all that. Uh, and, and essentially, Le'Veon did the same thing. He held out for as long as he could. The Steelers were like, nope, we're not paying you. It went all the way until the season started. And he basically said, I'm not playing any games. Now, at that point, he had had, you know, however many years of being the best running back and he had gotten, you know, he'd made, he'd made all his money. So essentially it was more of a principal thing for him uh, when he was doing that more. So than I need this money to, you know, feed my, family uh so but it, it was still the, the point remained right he wanted to get paid and he wasn't going to play unless he got paid and guess what he didn't get paid the Steelers dropped him the Jets picked him up and his career has been over since then right so it's like these these are the last two examples we have of guys who have kind of come out and said we want to get paid or we deserve to get paid and it's not happened and the teams have been fine and those individual players have not been fine uh so that's kind of the background on all this um, in terms of taking a side. I, I, well, <laughs> I don't necessarily have, again, I'll let, I'll let Hayden go first. Essentially though, there's the subjective view, which is these guys, you know, Saquon and, and and Josh Jacobs are, are the best, arguably the best players on their team. Therefore they should be paid just a little bit more than they're being paid right now. Right. That's the subjective view. And and I can totally see that point of view. There's also the objective point of view, which is if you're an owner, if you're a general manager and you're running a team, which is a business, you know, are you going to pay a lot more for something that's not going to bring you as much money or or, or success? Or, you know, in this, in this case, you know, the, the, the profit making of an NFL team is, is, is comparable or the profit making of a profit making business is comparable to the success that an NFL team has. And as far as we've seen, the answer has been, no, I'm going to leave you on this point, Hayden. Of the last five teams to win the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm going to read off their leading rushers at the time that they won the Super Bowl. It w- and you might, you you might have, we're have. Gonna get into this because you were smiling. I yeah, know. it was. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I'll just do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Chiefs in 2022, this past year, their leading rusher was Isaiah Pacheco, who they drafted what two years ago, and he's still on his rookie deal. um In 2021, the Rams won the Super Bowl, and Cam Akers was their leading rusher. In 2020, the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and their leading rusher was Ronald Jones. They had Leonard Fournette, who was a big draft pick, and but he didn't start his career with the with the Bucks. He started the, his career with the Jags in 2019. The Chiefs won again. Their leading rusher was Damian Williams. 2018, the Patriots won with running back Sony Michelle in 2017, the Eagles won with running back Legarrett Blunt. So that kind of brings it full circle in terms of what I was saying at the beginning, in terms of the game is changing to a more pass-heavy league. And because of that, unless you have a running back who is, you know, legitimately game changing, a lot of those running backs I just listed, they can they're sufficient runners and more so they're catchers of they're they're good receivers of the football as well and can do some, you know, kind of you know, with with the ball in their hands. Um after catching it from the quarterback, so I know I talked for a while there, but that's just kind of laying out the two points of view where you know we want these guys to get paid. It's it's technically it should be the right thing to do, but if you're the person who's making the decisions on to you know whether or not your team's going to win a Super Bowl, that's a little bit of a tough decision, in my man.
0: Yeah, that's that's the idea here, and we want to we want to be human beings and understand the subjective side, like Matt mentioned of saquon barkley and josh jacobs complaining and other other running backs too i mean like guys that already have deals or that are under contract still but are at the top of the the running back list in the league like derrick henry uh there was another i forgot jonathan i think taylor. There was one, yeah yeah jonathan taylor also spoke out on it on twitter basically just siding with the 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 running backs that wanted their deals to be met yes we are humans and we should kind of you know emotionally side with them because right. They are risking their lives essentially out on that field. Like running backs, they get hit almost every single play. There's a reason why their shelf life on, in the NFL. And what I mean by shelf life, if you don't know, I've mentioned a couple of times so far this podcast, but if you don't know what shelf life means, it basically just means like average career length, like the, you know, for how long a guy is usually in the league, like the running, running backs, average career length, or duration is, is one of the shortest in the league, um, or, you know, around the NFL, just because they get hit every single play basically. And they're getting hit by guys that are 50 pounds heavier than them. Um, and you know, at full speed, which is, (laughs) if you've never had that happen to you, it's, it's, doesn't feel good. So, yeah. So that's, that's why that's like, that's why the the organizations don't want to pay them. But, and then that's also why they want a lot more money is because, Yeah, it's like a two sided coin. The organizations don't want to pay them because they know that they're so susceptible to get hurt or they're so, you know, susceptible to basically have their career end on on any given play. But then the running backs want more money because of that, because they know my career could end the next play. So me personally, and I was going to bring up Matt's point about the Super Bowl winners, the last five Super Bowl winners, I was actually going to go through each team and give the running backs that i remember from their team i'm glad that matt gave the, the leading rushers but yeah like that philadelphia eagles team that beat the patriots i think in that game i think Corey clement was their leading rusher like in was yeah. maybe legaron blunt might have been their leading rusher across the season but he, he had a
1: bunch of touchdowns that year that's what i remember
0: yeah yeah but like Corey clement was i think the leading rusher in terms of yards and like play percentage boston in that game. scott yeah exactly like yeah. what that these are the types of teams. And again, these are teams that are winning championships that are winning super bowls. Yes. They have, you know, they're teams that have Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and, you know, on that new and and that's, that's what I was
1: going to say too. It's to the, if you compare it with the quarterbacks that have won those respective super bowls, Patrick Mahomes has two of them. Tom Brady has two of them, which those two guys are, you know, two of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Um, Matthew Stafford is, I think, top 10 in in total passing yards in the history of the NFL. He's been a a great, you know, above replacement level quarterback since 2009, right? It's coming up on 15 years. And then Nick Foles, who had the greatest run in human history of being an an average quarterback, right? So you gotta, you gotta think about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, right. These teams do have great quarterbacks and that we know that the quarterback position is the most important position on, on the football field, but that's besides this point. I think the point is that owners are looking at that. They're looking at those teams I'm sure that they've looked at that and and they know exactly what we're talking about right now. And it's the, it's the idea that they don't need a star running back to win a championship, right? It's, it's great to have a star running back on your team, to have somebody to kind of fall back on, or somebody to lead your team, especially on, you know, first and 10, the first play of the game, your, your star running back, Saquon Barkley or or Josh Jacobs, they're going to set the tone, right? For the first play of the game, first and 10, if they break a 20 yard run, you know, it's going to be a good game for your team, but on the same token, you don't need all that or teams recently have proved that you don't need all of that star power in the backfield with on only one guy to win a championship. And they know that running back by committee is kind of the way to go now with how the league has changed in the past few years. And if you don't know what running back by committee means, it basically just means having multiple running backs in the backfield that are kind of just equally as good that you can. Put in at any point in the game, and they can do whatever you want them to do. Um, or, you know, you have guys that are more third down backs that are kind of like shiftier and, and are better in the pass game or better at catching the ball than your first and second down backs that are better, that are more kind of ground and pound, only run the ball in between the tackles and everything like that. So that's what a running back committee is. And that's what the league is seeing develop more. And that's what the better teams, unfortunately, are. Having like, that's, that's just kind of what they've gone by recently. And so the whole, the whole point that the running backs were trying to make on Twitter this past week after the deadline passed and they didn't get their deals, the whole point that the running backs were making. And Derek Henry even said this in his tweet. He basically just said like, I don't know why people are acting like our position doesn't even matter anymore. And it's like, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that having a star at your position and paying them a lot of, you know, basically as much as a receiver, is is not as important, right? Because you don't need you don't need to pay a guy that much in the backfield in order to win games. And so it's it's unfortunate because again, I could just sit here and say, yeah, well, you know, in order to win because the object of football is to win games, you don't need to pay your running back this much and so they can go cry about it. But like you got to also have some feelings for the guys and say, right, you, these guys are, you know, putting their brains on the line um in order to play for their team and if they want more money then they want more money and you should try to respect that but then the last the other thing i'll say and this is kind of the last thing i'll say about this segment because i don't really have a side either matt i like i'm kind of like you i don't really want to you know i don't want to take one side and then kind of forget about the other because i think it is like there's both sides have a have a very good point but the last thing i'll say is i got reports this week that Apparently, Saquon, I didn't hear about Josh Jacobs, but Saquon Barkley was apparently within one million dollars of a deal with the Giants. So essentially, I think Saquon wanted uh, Saquon wanted like four, no, 12 million, I think, per year. And the Giants were only willing to give 11 million and they wouldn't budge from that. And it's like if they would have gone up one million dollars more a year then Saquon would have signed with them for however many years that the contract was going to be. You could, you could go both ways with this. You could say, okay, $1 million per year, one more, 1 million more dollars per year for an NFL team is not much at all. That's that's easy money. Do it, do it. Because Saquon Barkley's worth it. But then you could also go on the other side and say, okay, well, you know, $1 million out of 12 million that you'll be making per year. Saquon, like really dude, you After think what that he's that's, already made too.
1: You know? Right.
0: Like, do we, do we really think that that's like, you know, something that's going to, that's, that's really going to pay the bills. Like, no, that's probably just, you know, an an extra Lamborghini or something like that, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to kind of diagnose and like, you know, take a, take a side, like we were saying earlier. So I'm going to sit here and I'm not, I'm not going to take a side, but again, I wanted to explain both of those sides. I feel for both of those sides, but I probably feel more for the players, especially because the guys came. I think it was really cool that Derrick Henry and, Jonathan Taylor came out on Twitter and and spoke about it because again, those guys have deals like they're, they're set and ready to go. And I think Jonathan Taylor, his is his coming up too like in the next couple of years or did he, did he get
1: probably? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he's, this might be his last year. So, um, so, so, right. So that's the other thing too is right. There are running backs right now who have been drafting the last few years who are performing really well. And this only is a negative thing for them to look forward to. Right. So it's almost like, you know, he's arguing on behalf of himself essentially through the you know through the lens of 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 speaking up for the running backs who are kind of in their contract negotiations now and and think about it right like Jonathan Taylor was on his rookie deal okay cool but like you know Derrick Henry did get paid and Zeke got paid okay cool and it's like well I'm not even really getting it I mean it's just like if, if they're the centerpiece of your offense like the, the Cowboys haven't even gotten past the, the second round of the playoffs in I think like 30 years right the Titans they did a couple years, two years ago, they got the one seed and, and what do they do with it? Well, they beat the Patriots in the first, they beat, they ended Tom Brady's Patriots career, which is a pretty, you know, a pretty cool thing to, to, to say. And then the second game, second round of playoffs, they played the Bengals and Brian Tannehill threw four interceptions and the Bengals who have, oh, let's just remind ourselves, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and, and, and T Higgins, like they won that game. Right. And who, who was the reason they lost? Who was the reason the Titans lost that game? It wasn't Derrick Henry. It was, it was Ryan Tannehill. So you can argue, you know, on both sides of these things where like it, the quarterback obviously is the most important piece of the team for better or for worse. And, and in that case, it will, in obviously like in, in the chief's case, Patrick Holmes is, is obviously the better. Right. But in that case for the Titans, like that year where they had a great defense and, and realistically Ryan Tannehill just needed to be a game manager for the entire season because Derrick Henry was playing so well. Look what ended up happening. The quarterback kind of still ruined it for them, right? So it's it's almost like it's a double edged sword. And you honestly can't win if there's running backs. So I totally agree with you, and I I totally feel for the running backs. But from an objective, you know, business perspective, I I understand where the teams are coming from. And I think your point about kind of how close these guys were is, is, is great as well. Um, Josh Jacobs, you said you didn't hear anything about them. I saw a bleach report notification that Josh Jacobs was standing in the parking lot with Max Crosby outside of the facility, basically like ready to go in there. And then he was like, Nope, I want more money and I'm deciding to leave. And it's just like, Oh my, you know, like these guys were so close and it's like, I totally get it though. It's the principle of the matter. If you want to get paid and you're not getting paid, then you you don't, you don't, you know, you don't go in there until you get paid the amount that you want. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see, I guess, what happens from here. So we'll obviously be able to kind of update this, um, you know, when it happens. People are already saying Saquon might sit out the first game of the season, um, so it, it might it might get a little dicey, especially for these two teams who are, you know, kind of fringe playoff teams, right? We saw the we saw the Raiders make the playoffs two years ago, um, and then obviously the Giants won a playoff game against the Vikings last year. So it's it's one of those things that, too, you know, maybe if these if these guys do get signed. We can see, right, if, if they kind of tank for the next couple of years, we can kind of kind of confirm this and put a put a cap on it being like, you know, it, it really kind of does prove that, you know, if you spend extra money on running backs, it may not help your team that much or having these guys may just be and because because both of them are great runners and catchers of the ball right so they're kind of the quintessential running back that you would want to have to kind of build a franchise off of but it's like are you willing to pay them as much as they want to get paid are they as worth it as as you know as the money would be to pay them that's kind of the question that that we'll see but it'll, it will be interesting to see kind of what happens going forward in terms of you know whether they get signed or, or whatever they decide to do if they could maybe go to a different team who knows
0: yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on to our next NFL topic here. It's not really about NFL players or like players that, you know, and necessarily, but it's about uh, something that we've talked about on this podcast before and it's about gambling. So there was, there was four players who were suspended for violating the league's gambling policy recently. I think they were all lions players. If I'm, if I'm not mistaking. Um, but the punishments were similar to other suspensions that we've seen around the league. Where players who bet on other sports within the team facility uh, were suspended six games, and then players who bet on their own teams were suspended for the whole season or upcoming season. So that's kind of how the suspensions work. Is if you if you bet in the facility, if you if you're inside the your team facility and you bet at a, you know I, I guess they kind of just look at the timestamps for that. If you bet inside your team facility um, and it's confirmed that you were in the you know inside the facility and and you bet on any kind of sport event ever then you get suspended six games if you uh if you bet on your own team in any fashion any shape or any yeah any shape or form then uh you're you're suspended for the whole season which is definitely fair i in in my opinion i know that matt thinks the same thing i'm gonna give the floor over to matt because he he did write this topic so i kind of want to i want him to kind of explain more of the groundwork and then we'll get into our opinions on it and why, why it is so important that these suspensions happen and that the punishments are given out. So go ahead, Matt.
1: Yeah. So to add on to kind of your introduction to the segment here, the NFL came out with their official rules. There's six official rules on, on what players can and can't do as it pertains to gambling um, in general. So the first is obviously you can't bet on the NFL. Uh, The second is that you can't bet on team facility, which includes traveling with the team. I I saw that in there. So like, if you're on a road trip and you're like with the team in a hotel, like that still counts. I don't, again, I don't know how they, how they track all this stuff. Um, Number three is that you can't have someone bet for you, which I, I was wrong in, saying the lot because we 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 actually talked about this hayden said we talked about this on the last podcast at the end and the rundown section that's when we decided to have this topic as like a full segment on the show and i said as part of that i said just get a friend to bet for you get a sibling to bet for you but that's apparently not allowed anymore as well uh the fourth rule is that you can't share team specific inside information which is essentially like you know oh Hey, best friend that lives right across the street from me. Did you know that Derrick Henry is going to be out to this week, or he's dealing with a hamstring and he might not play? And you might want to bet on the other team, and you might want to share that money that, that you win with me once you you know for, for giving that information. That's what that means. The fourth rule um, is that you can't enter a, a sports book during the NFL season, which is pretty straightforward. Um, and the last one is that you can't play daily fantasy, which is um, which is essentially the the DraftKings and the and the Fanduel. They have like their um, like per per on on any given Sunday, you can just create your, your, uh, your fantasy team. You pay a certain amount of dot, like you get a salary cap and you pay a certain amount of money to, to draft your team essentially. And, and, you know, whoever wins, you know, wins a big prize pool or whatever, Um, but that's like a per day thing. Like you can play for the Thursday night game. You can play for the Sunday night game. You can play for the whole week. Um, So, so that's been really popular, but obviously that's essentially still gambling on the NFL. Right. So that that's why that doesn't count um, as well. Now, when, and i can't remember i think when the when this first happened like when the i think so there was two instances right so hayden mentioned that the lions players got suspended that was jameson williams and and others in the lions um we i think had either a rundown topic or something like we briefly mentioned it and i went on a whole rant about how like the integrity of the game and all that stuff and and i still go back to that and i'm not i don't i don't know exactly which episode that was from so i'll kind of i'll kind of summarize what my points were there this was a separate instance in which and for, I think for all of those players, they were betting in the team facility. So it was only like a six game fix. So like Jamison Williams was only suspended for six games. Um, there was a Titans offensive tackle, uh, who, who was suspended for six games for this same thing. I think a Jaguars player as well. Um, and then, but the, 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 the leading story was a guy named Isaiah Rogers, who's a cornerback or defensive back for the Colts who bet on his team. Now he didn't bet like, oh, we're going to cover the spread against the, you know, against the commanders this week. He bet on specifically, um, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but a certain running back, I think it was, is Naheem Hines? I think he's on yeah, a whole different team at this point. Anyway, a certain running back on the Colts to go over their rushing total, right? So with the, a lot of times the sports folks will offer over-under on player totals for, you know, okay, is Jonathan Taylor going to have 100 yards, you know, over-under? And you can bet over-under and you win or lose depending on how well or how many yards Jonathan – or uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor accrues in that game. Now, this was a, an instance in which Jonathan Taylor, I think, was was dealing with injury. I mean, yeah, I think it was last year because Jonathan Taylor was kind of in and out of the lineup last year, um, and they kind of had, you know, replacements in there for him. And, and it was one of the weeks when, like, it wasn't sure if Jonathan Taylor was, you know, going to play. Um, but obviously, being – part of the team isaiah rogers had some inside information right and so he utilized that and so going through his betting account right they were able to find that he had placed bets on other sports like he basically followed all the rules up until this instance and all of in part of all those instances he was betting like twenty dollars fifty dollars on you know random right nba games whatever it was in the off season right so it wasn't it wasn't even breaking any of the current rules that we have now he bet a thousand (laughs) dollars on this one player prop for this random running back to go over his rushing total in a week that we knew Jonathan Taylor wasn't, or he knew Jonathan Taylor was going to be out before the sports books did. Right. Or at least the general public did. And, and that's what triggers this. Right. And so this is like the epitome of why NFL player, really any professional athlete should not be able to gamble on their sport. And realistically, I think it should be all sports in general because a lot of these guys are friends outside. Like I said, I just saw Joe Burrow was posting pictures with, with, um, Um, with like Devin Booker and all these basketball players. And it was like, okay, sweet. Like, you know, he's getting texts when guys are out. And obviously, to a certain extent, and this is just a bigger, a bigger argument, too, is that these guys are getting paid millions of dollars and you're betting, you know, a thousand dollars on a prop. Right. And that's like that's that's one of those things that like you're probably making more money by playing in that game than you are by the bet that you're gonna win. But again, Who wouldn't take an extra $1,000 if you know that something's going to happen, right? And this even goes to like big, big picture. And again, I made the rant on how if this is able to continue, just it, it just is the entire integrity of the sport is built on the fact that the guys are trying to play to win the game. And if you introduce players betting on their own sport, on their own team, whatever it may be, that is a slippery slope that leads to the opportunity for players to not try to win the game. Okay. And again, it it all, it all it kind of compensates itself because these players are making millions of dollars. And for most of them, it's not worth it to bet on the game because the, you know, the, the, the the marginal amount of money that you're going to make from a bet, it doesn't, it doesn't equal the salary that you're willing to give up. If you do get suspended for an entire season, like what happened with Isaiah Rogers, but Hey. Any given night you're in, uh, you're in Tampa on a, on a Wednesday night you want to, you want to get out with your boys and you need an extra thousand dollars could be worth it. Right. So it, there's, there's cases where it, it could work out for these players. And obviously enough of them have done it to be able to, to be suspended, but like this was the most egregious case and it shows why it should not be happening. And I'm and I'm going to kind of bring out a larger point to, to prove this. And then I'll let Hayden go. There's there is a term called insider trading, and and that is if you work for a publicly traded company on the stock market, you know based on having worked for the company, you know what is going to happen in the future, and this could be a range of things, right? It could be we're going to merge with this other company, right? We're this uh, the the current CEO is going to retire, and the next uh, the next guy that they're going to hire he sucks, right? So there's there's many ways that you can utilize the information that you have that is not public to any other people yet to manipulate or not manipulate, but essentially put in, investor money in the stock market for or against your own company and make money as a result because you already know, you based on your knowledge of what's happening in the company, you can anticipate what the public is going to think. And based on what the public thinks, you know what, you know, what price that stock or, you know, where, you know, what direction that stock is going to go, uh, upon the, the announcement, the public announcement of that information. Okay. And so this is called insider trading. People go to jail for this regularly. Okay. So this is the same exact thing. Now, obviously who knows what Isaiah Rogers was doing and, you know, throwing a thousand dollars on this guy to go over his rushing total. It seems insignificant, but like in the grand scheme of things, that's inside information. He bet on a player a random running back prop going over his total, over his wrecking total on a, you know, on a random game during the season because he knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to be ruled out before the public was able to know. So, like, not only did he bet on his own team, which, which, you know, again, messes with the integrity of the game in the first place, but, but he also, basically did insider trading but with you know betting on on sports and so um yeah so there there is a larger picture to all of this and and obviously you know betting and the more i the more i get into betting the more i know the more i realize that the stock market and betting are are, are basically the exact same thing um so what you can get in trouble for in the stock market is very similar to things that you should be getting in trouble for for betting now the only kind of counter argument to all of this is the fact that oh he's betting on his own team so that's fine because if you're betting on your own team then obviously if you want to win your money for your bet then you're going to try to win but like you can't really police that like it's so hard to be like oh well Isaiah or you know let's just say a big name Joe Burrow like he's he's betting a ten thousand dollars on the Bengals to win this this week well I mean you know it's the Bengals and it's his own team and he's betting on them to win. And he's only going to win money if they win. So obviously he's going to try to win, but who knows? Like there's so many scenarios where either that can't, that might not come true or there's someone else who's betting on the other team. And that's going to, you know, they're going to shake each other out and make it worth it. And, you know, pay each other half the profit. Like there's so many different things that goes into this that like, you just, you just kind of have to ex, you know, just completely you know get rid of it I think is is kind of the only the only way um to do this And I think the NFL has done this by the rules that they set forth I'm pretty sure that that at least the things that I ran off you know kind of those bullet lists of things covers most of what I think the potentials are for you know things that can happen in the future but but yeah this is just this is bad like it's it's bad for the sport it's bad for for these athletes and it's just like you guys are already making a lot of money and and people are just trying to have fun on their couch on a Sunday afternoon, and you're kind of ruining the fun for, for everyone else too. Um, and so and so, I'm glad that the NFL has taken it to the max of being, right, you know, if, if you were found betting on your team, you're gonna send it for an entire season because they have to preserve it, right? And that's kind of to bring it full circle is like, that's the argument against it, is that is that regardless of who, what team you're betting on, if you're betting on your own team or some other player, or whatever it may be, it's a very slippery slope that if, you know, if one thing goes wrong, people are going to question whether or not the sport is even legit in the first place. And that's again, a very catastrophic way to describe everything, but could be the end result. And, and we've seen this in many sports in the past and other countries and stuff, not major sports in and, and, you know, in the U S or whatever, but, but yeah, it's, it's happened in the past and it's ruined the integrity of the sport. So um yeah, I, I know I kind of took it to a drastic measure there, but hopefully it kind of makes sense in the broader scheme of like, why this is really bad and why the NFL has to take these drastic measures to, to be able um, to, you know, to kind of get this under control. Um, Now, Hayden, I'm going to ask you this. Do we think that there should be a blanket policy across the board? Like the kind of the the rules I listed out, or is there some way we can kind of get around this or, you know, for certain teams, certain players, like, what do you think on that?
0: I think there should be, I think there should be a blanket policy of no betting at all. I think that like, even with these rules in place, there's a lot of things that can happen. And Matt, Matt said it before, when he was talking that let's just take, let's take an example, Justin Jefferson, right? I don't even know if Justin Jefferson knows James Harden, but this is the, those are the two guys that came to mind immediately from two different sports. Right. So say Justin Jefferson, uh, it's, it's the off season. Justin Jefferson's chilling at home with his family. He's, you know, watch he's getting ready to watch the Sixers game with his kids. He probably doesn't even like the Sixers because he's, you know, he, he plays in Minnesota. So probably likes the Timberwolves or something like that, but let's just say he likes the Sixers and he's, he's trying to bet on James Harden's over 27 and a half points, right? If James Harden's line is at 27 and a half points, Justin Jefferson bets the over and he's at home with his family, or whatever, it's a different sport. He's at home. He's not in the facility. That's legal. That's perfectly fine. And that's something that the, the NFL wouldn't penalize or they wouldn't crack down on. Now he could, he, if he has James Harden's number, which he might, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, um, or if he's very close to somebody who's also very close to James Harden. Now he could text that person or he could text James Harden personally and say, hey, I need you to go off tonight. Or he could, he could text the other players, any other player on the 76ers and be like, hey, why don't you pass the ball to James Harden a couple more times tonight? Right now, that's that's going to help him a lot because, right. If you know, if James Harden does go over twenty seven and a half. Great. Justin Jefferson made some money. But guess what? Everybody who who bet the under who is not a famous athlete who doesn't have James Harden's phone number in their phone, which is about 99.9% of the population. Uh, I'm not saying the 99% of the population bet on James Harden's under, I probably would, but right. Like they're going to lose money. Whoever did assuming that it's around 50% or within, you know, 40 to 50, 40 to 50% of people who bet on that line on James Harden's points, right. In that game. Whoever bet the under is going to lose money, and it's it may be because of Justin Jefferson, and he doesn't even know it. So he just lost a bunch of people, a bunch of money, but he won himself some money, and he's already making millions of dollars a year while everybody else is making, you know, somebody might have bet on it. Somebody who's making like 40K a year might have bet on it and said, okay, well, I'm going to put, you know, my whole entire like month's earnings on this and be stupid, and they lost because of Justin Jefferson. And so now they're, you know, now they're living in. Deep poverty. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's uh, I kind of just tried to go to great lengths, like Matt did there. But yeah, that like that, that's that's the other kind of uh, I guess, point to this whole conversation is it doesn't even really matter if they're betting on their team, or it, it doesn't even really matter what they're betting on. These athletes have so many different connections across so many sports that sports betting in general should just not be a thing for athletes. You you make your money from what you do and yes, it's unfortunate that you can't go out to a bar or a casino in the off season with your buddies and sports bet. Sorry. boohoo. Like go, go play. Uh, I don't know. Go play crabs or something like that. You know, don't, you don't have the sports bet. You don't have to go into the casino and sports bet. You can bet on other things and just test your luck that way. It, it just, yeah, it just kind of grinds my gears that this is happening. Um, And that athletes are athletes. I mean, dude, Isaiah Rogers, like, there's no way that he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to bet on his own team. He definitely knew that he was betting
1: $20 a game. And then he yeah. bet a thousand dollars on this prop.
0: Yes. That says so, it all. Exactly. So th- there's no way that he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to bet on his own team yet. He still did. And he put his whole entire season into, in jeopardy. I don't know how he thought that he wasn't going to get caught, but maybe he did it. Be- I, I guess he did it before the NFL actually started looking into this. And then once they did start looking into this, it was probably like, okay, I'm screwed. But well, st- was, I mean, still. it was
1: in this past season. It was in the 2022 season after Calvin Ridley is, oh, is the yeah. guinea pig for all True. this, man. Like, yeah, he's coming back from almost two years of not playing football anymore, which by right. the way, Jaguars are going to take that division this year, man. I'm high on the yeah, Jaguars. Anyway, he got spent it for an entire season because he put the Falcons in a parlay like two years yeah. ago. And it's like, there's already an example of a guy betting on his own team what do you do? You know, your name is behind this. You have to submit a picture of your driver's license to get an account on these betting sets. You know what the rules are and you know, what happened to this guy already. And so, yeah, it's like, I hope the thousand dollars was worth it, buddy. Cause now you're making nada.
0: Yeah. It makes no sense why these guys would do that. And they're, they're smart guys too. Like there's no, I mean, there's no idiots in the NFL. You can't, you can't be an idiot and play football. So at least play football at a high level, you know, athleticism only gets you so far. So these guys, they're smart and they know they're not supposed to be doing this. Maybe, maybe like the guys that didn't know that they was that they weren't supposed to bet inside the facility. Maybe they didn't know that. And maybe the, I guess those rules weren't really a thing. Matt, were those rules just made or were have they been? A thing? I, I
1: doubt it just because of the way that they've the way that they've come off and said things
0: so quickly yeah. makes
1: it. Yeah. And it's just like, OK, well, and, and the way that every everything has been the same. Right. If every per, every player that's bet on any sport within their own team facility has gotten a six game suspension. Every player that's bet on their own sport or their own team um, has gotten a full, a full season. So it's like, it makes me think that those, those were the only two established rules prior to this, the whole like daily fantasy and betting on sports in a casino, like the stuff that's kind of like, you know, a little bit more um, not surface level that I've just, you know, that I kind of read out earlier. That's the stuff that's been added because that's like the kind of the, you know, in the weeds type of stuff but it's it seems pretty likely that that the 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 two the two you know rules that have been in place for for the long haul have been if you bet on your team you get a full year if you bet on anything within the team facility you get six games that's because that's what happened to everyone so I'm assuming that these roles were already known and and distributed to the players again I, I don't you know neither of us have ever been in an NFL team facility so we don't know what goes on in there and kind of what gets distributed to them or not I mean obviously like you know I have a full-time job now and the amount of emails that I get with a bunch of PDF packages about oh read this you know employee manual for stuff that you never really will apply to you I don't necessarily read the whole thing so that's probably who knows right they could have come across their laps and like a coach is just like throws a throws a, a word document at them and they're like I don't care um because whatever why would you care when you're already making that much money right and then you kind of find out that like you get screwed on this but either way I'm sure that there was you know there was something in place that had these rules already written out at some point.
0: Yeah. So I think moral of the story, at least for me and my opinion on it, moral of the story is I think all athletes should just not be allowed to bet. And there should be a blanket policy across all sports. I'm, And that doesn't even just go for the NFL. Like I think the NBA should be the same way. I don't know what the NBA's rules are. If it's the, kind of like the same idea as the NFL, I would assume that it's pretty similar, but we haven't even really seen. That's the other thing is like, we haven't really yeah. even really seen other leagues yeah. crack down on it as much as the NFL has, the, I haven't heard anything about the NBA, the MLB, NHL, anything like that. And I'm sure that those guys, I mean, there's no way that the NFL is really any different than other leagues, but it's probably just because those leagues haven't really looked into it and haven't taken the time and money or whatever it takes to, to look into that, which I think is something that may start coming to, you know, to fruition at some point soon here is te- leagues like the NBA and NHL, like the big, the, I guess, not as big as the NFL in in America right now, or I guess across the world, really, but, Yeah, I mean those those leagues are it's not
1: as big popularity wise, it's also not as big player wise. So it's easier to keep track of I think there's eleven guys on an NBA on a full NBA roster. Much easier to keep track of eleven guys and what they're doing on their phone versus a 53-man roster for every single there's also more NFL teams than they are NBA teams. So not only are there more teams, but the roster sizes are basically five times bigger so like you know right like a player like Isaiah Rogers I never even heard of him before this whole thing happened you know I I don't even remember the name of the of the Titans left or right tackle because like I'd never heard of him before right so it's like there's a lot more to keep track of because there's just a lot more players in general
0: yeah that's exactly right so I think Matt, do you think there should be a blanket policy, like just real quick?
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I okay. I that's kind of what the point that I was making. I guess I never really made it or said yeah. it outright, but yeah, I I, do, I don't think any player should be able to bet on any sport. There was also the um no oh I remember it was Hayden. The, remember the Iowa thing? Like the college athletes were getting were getting into this thing, and a bunch of them. I was like Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, um, a bunch yeah. of these athletes were getting banned. That mm-hmm. we that was one of the topics that we talked about. Yes. I think it was maybe one of the first rundown segments that we did, and that's where I went on mm-hmm. this whole rant about it. So yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that was that was the genesis for this whole thing. I think that was even collegiate athletes, right? So it's like it 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 goes it goes so deep that like you have to make this blanket policy, otherwise you're not going to be able to control it. And and right, you it sounds it sounds drastic and it sounds like it would never happen, but like the NFL and and all of the people that care about it, like. The second that anyone gets a doubt in their mind that it's not the refs who did because everybody can blame the refs for for rigging these games. Right. But the second that anybody gets a doubt in their mind that the players themselves are messing with the, the outcome of the game, that that's when you completely lose a fan base. So,
0: yeah. And I think there is a blanket policy o- across collegiate sports. Right. I think the NCAA has come out and said because yeah, technically I'm employed by the University of Virginia football. Right. So and I apparently I can't bet. That's that's what I've been told. I mean, I, huh. I don't bet anyway, because I think it's it's a pretty easy way to, I mean, lose money. But um, but yeah, like I've been told that I can't bet at all whatsoever. So I think there is a blanket policy that the NCAA has put in place. But hmm. I don't know why professional sports is any different. But anyway, we're going to uh, move on to our new segment. One of our new segments here. It's called Serving Up Looks. So this is. This new kind of like fun segment, it doesn't really have much to do with sports. It's going to be sports related, just athlete slash celebrity celebrity related. So I guess sometimes if we do this, if we do pick a celebrity and not necessarily an athlete, um, I guess it won't really be sports related. But it's still it's it's a fun segment that Matt and I are starting up here and, and we look to kind of continue for the time being so. Uh, It's called serving up looks because I didn't really have a better name for it. And the idea here is that we're going to choose an athlete or celebrity of the day. So we're going to have one celebrity or athlete that we're talking about uh, each, each segment that we have it. Um, And then we're going to go back and forth with peculiar but oddly fitting assumptions about what their personality or life seems like it would be outside of their profession. So today, the example here is Anthony Davis and we're going to, we're going to go back and forth. I think we each have three, um, three assumptions about what their what Anthony Davis, what his life would be like outside of basketball. And then we're going to say that and um, hopefully get, we get a pretty good laugh out of it. But if you guys don't really know what we're talking about, you're going to, you're going to understand it really really quick here. But um, if you guys have ever listened to or watched um, the dan Levitard show and you guys have heard stu gotts talk about he, he kind of does this to tim Kirchin. whenever tim Kirchin joins the show um he'll he'll say like this athlete looks like blank looks like he does blank and so that's kind of the the idea of this segment is, is to kind of like model it after that um but again we're talking about one athlete only and we're going to go back and forth and just and and try to make each other laugh with um with weird but very fitting assumptions about Anthony Davis today. So that's the athlete today, Matt. I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you take it away with the first serving up looks uh, question. Cause we're, we're, we're forming it in, in, in the form of a question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the floor to Matt here for the first one.
1: All right. Mine are, mine are pretty good. I'm pretty proud of these.
0: I'm saying. So yeah.
1: my first one is why does Anthony Davis look like the tire expert at your local wholesale club?
0: <laughs> like, you know, like the yes. guy who's like,
1: Dude, I know exactly what to get. (laughs) Trust me, man. I got this. And he's just telling you all about the tires. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's that that is a pretty good one. I think that I'm going to save the best for last because I think we're both like we both know that my last one is is very true. But um, my first one here is why does Anthony Davis look like that one friend who went through a bad breakup and now swears that meditation has changed his life?
1: <laughs> I actually, I have a similar one in which I <laughs> saved for last, but it, yeah, we, we we were definitely thinking on the same wavelength for this. Yes. All right. So my second one is why does Anthony Davis look like the door to door Verizon salesman who uses your name every single sentence? He tries to say something to you. <laughs>
0: dude, He does dude. I feel like, okay. I feel like I've seen, Anthony Davis in like a state farm commercial. Or no, he looks like the state farm guy. Yeah. That's he looks true. like the guy in the commercials. Um, that like in the actual state farm commercials with the I don't know, just like the hair, like the the puffy afro top, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty good one. My second one here is it's pretty short and sweet, but it's why does why does Anthony Davis look like the worst storyteller ever? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. It checks out, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. My last one. Again, it kind of goes along with what what Hayden's personal one was. Why does Anthony Davis look like the kid who doesn't talk back to his mom after getting in trouble? And instead he just sits in his sulking, he just sits in his bedroom sulking the whole time. <laughs> Which is similar because you said look- like the whole breakup thing. Like he he kind of yeah. just has that face that just kind of looks like sad and like kind of just like he would just give up if he's if he's yeah. if he like faces something tough.
0: Yeah, you could you could yell at him and he would just take it. Like he wouldn't he right, would kind of yeah. just like look at you back with his unibrow and, and uh make you feel bad about yourself. Okay. My, my third one, I think this is, this is probably my best one of the day here. Why does Anthony Davis look like the type of guy to have his toes hanging over the edge of his slides, <laughs> <laughs> like out in public going yeah. to the movie theater or something like that. Yeah. Like his, he's just got, he's got no socks on. He's wearing slides that are, you know, Nike slides that are really beat up and his hairy toes are hanging over the edge, like the front yeah. edge. Yeah. that's And that, especially that,
1: because he probably wears like a size 28 shoe. Cause he's yeah. like six eleven
0: yeah exactly you probably can't find slides that are big enough but um yeah that was uh that, that was the that was a new segment it's kind of kind of short and sweet maybe we should add a couple more in there because i matt yours yours are really specific and good i like i i'd expected it to kind of be a little bit rusty this first time around but yeah yours were really i think i have to get more specific with mine in the future which will be even more fun but yeah
1: that's what that's what like if you have it guys seriously if you listen to this right now all four of you um go like just google the google the dan levitard show with tim kirchen because then just i think they call it like they call it like something roast um and uh and and it's they have listeners submit these to them and they're like the most random things you could ever think of but they're all so true um i don't even want to give any examples you just you just have to go look them up because it's like it's like what we just did but 10 times better
0: yeah it's it's really funny and that's honestly what gave me inspiration for this um, for this segment, because it's again, it's not really like meant to, you know, be informational in anyway, obviously. It's just meant to kind of give you guys a laugh if you're listening and, you know, have us kind of awkwardly laugh at each other. Because unless it's like unless it's really funny and there's there's certain things that Matt, I mean, Matt and I are brothers. So, like, we know each other's humor. So, yeah, we try to ta- we kind of try to tailor like our we're definitely going to try to tailor our our responses or our questions here for this for these segments to each other and like what we think would be funny. And I'm I'm sure that there's listeners out there that have similar humor to us and that kind of, you know, would be able to laugh at what we would say about these guys. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole idea. And again, it's going to be a different athlete next time. So I don't know what it'll, we're going to try. I'm going to try to pick and Matt, you can pick athletes too. If, if you have like a good one that you, um that you want to have next up on the show or whatever you can pick it. But yeah, I just came up with this first one. I think that Anthony Davis has a very, has a very like a distinct very unique look. look. Yeah. yeah. Very distinct and unique look. So that's, that's why I picked them for this first one. I think it was a pretty good, pretty good choice there. But uh, with that being said, we're going to move into our last segment of the day, which is rundown. So our we we've got four topics again here today. Uh, it's, it's just a lucky number with this rundown segment. First topic is I'm sure you all, you all heard about it uh, recently. That's the Northwestern fired their head, their head football coach, Pat Fitzgerald, after news surfaced of hazing and abuse within the locker room. Um, the the first thing that I'll say about this is I don't think that there's been any reports of, of Pat Pat Fitzgerald being actually like involved, but the whole idea of why he got fired here was because people were essentially saying that there's no way that he didn't know, even if he wasn't involved, there's no way he didn't know about it or that he didn't see it in some way, shape or form. Um, and so that's why he ended up getting fired. He'd, he was also the, If I'm getting this correct, I think I was talking with one of my uh, like all my intern buddies at the office a couple of days ago when it kind of when it happened. Um, And it was that I'm pretty sure he was at the time he was the second longest tenured head coach in college football. I think it was I think it was behind Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. I think it was behind maybe both of those guys or one of those guys, but yeah, I mean, he was top five longest tenure head coaches and he just got fired because of this.
1: Yeah. It's, it was a crazy story. Um, especially coming out of that program, which obviously we know Northwestern to be one of those, you know, very astute academic schools that, you know, kind of does things by the book. Um, obviously, and I, as Hayden said, you know, he's right in all of the reporting that I've read from this, it, it apparent, I mean, I, and I would believe it just from having been on the football team myself, like this stuff probably happens at every, at every college. It was just that they don't really have former players come out and say like the specifics of what happened. Like, again, we're not going to get into any of the specifics because it was a little, like some of the stuff was kind of weird. Like, so if you want to read about it, definitely do. Or if you, if you know what we're talking about, then you know why we're kind of not really getting into the details on the show, but, but yeah, it, 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 it happens all over the place. Um, Some places are probably worse than others. That's just how sports are. It's, it's very much a fraternity, type of deal. Right. And that's kind of the biggest thing with fraternities is, you know, you get hazed whenever you join a fraternity football is very similar. You go through very tough times as a football player with those other teammates, uh, you know, that, that are on, you know, kind of that are with you. And so, um, the, 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 the closest to what I heard happened essentially would be like Pat Fitzgerald would like, like do like a hand signal, which usually would mean like, you know, okay, this player, if he's, if he's, if he's, you know, messing up or whatever, this player is going to run laps or this player is going to do. So it was like originally meant to be like Pat Fitzgerald developed a punishment for a player, like a, like a routine punishment, like nothing, nothing crazy, nothing that's like was actually reported in this, but like running a couple laps, right. Doing some pushups, whatever would like do a hand signal. And so an, an assistant coach would know to go to that player and make him do the thing. And apparently what happened was the player's took that to the next level and then ended up doing all this other crazy stuff on top of that. So that's, I think kind of the, how this originated, but to Hayden's original point, there's, there's really no way that Pathis Gerald after giving that hand signal to, okay, this guy should be doing this punishment right now was not basically, you know, would not turn away and not see everything that happened, you know, and every, every time that happened, because it's, it's been going on for years and years. So, but yeah, to add to Hayden, what Hayden said about being the longest senior coach and everything, I mean, he, a school like Northwestern is not supposed to win football games. And that's really all he's done there. Um, They went to the big 10 championship. Like, and I think in, in, in 2018, 2019, something like that, or maybe it was the COVID year. Maybe it was 2020. Um, No, that was Indiana. So yeah, it was, I think it was 20, 2018 or something. So with even five years ago, Northwestern was in the big 10 championship. Um, This program is, is, I mean, I know that they were, they were They were one in 11 last year. They were bad. So he was still the coach there and he, he had brought them to their Heights, but even that, like with the NIL and the transfer portal, again, that's what we're saying. Like teams like UBA, Vanderbilt, Sta- like Stanford, Northwest is a perfect, a perfect example. These teams can't get players to transfer to their schools in this transfer portal era because these players aren't eligible to get into the schools that they're trying to transfer to, right? And Northwest is the prime example of that. So they're already struggling even without Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach. And now that they're fi- now that they fired him, I-, I took the season win total under three and a half, like as soon as I heard this news, so I was like, there's no way, right? Because he's the only reason that they're even winning in the first place. And without him, they have no chance. So yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but obviously right with with the details of what was going on, it's kind of one of those things where you you kind of just have to get them out of there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also, um, the Matt kind of brought up a good point about teams like Northwestern academic schools or high academic schools not being able to get players in the transfer portal. Also, there's been I mean, I'm I'm in the recruiting world and I kind of you know I know a lot about the 2024 class especially so the class that still has their senior year to go but is going to graduate next year and going to be freshmen in two seasons um there's so there's actually multiple guys that have verbal like that have come on twitter and decommitted from northwestern since this news happened like guys that were committed um that guys that were going to grad or that are going to graduate in 2024 and that were committed to northwestern and they're actually decommitting and opening up their recruitment again which is pretty interesting i mean If I heard this news that this hazing was going on, I'd probably assume it's probably not going to stop because, I mean, yeah, you go in a locker room full of college football players like they probably don't really care. Um, And then, I mean, maybe maybe this next year it'll stop because it's so fresh still and the new head coach will be very aware of it, whoever it is. Um, But, yeah, I think that it's probably a good idea for those guys to, to, to decommit and, and well, go elsewhere. And
1: It also could be, yeah, it could be the hazing thing and you don't want to deal with that, but it also could be that Pat Fitzgerald's the one who recruited you, right? Because yeah, that's That's, it. A lot, right. that's the exactly. biggest job of these head coaches is to get in kids' living rooms and tell them why they yeah. should come to their school, right? And so if that guy who's a legendary head coach at that school is no longer there, you're like, well, what's the point? Because he's the guy who, you know, kind of, you know, made me want to come to there in the first place. The, uh, the last thing I'll say really quickly, too, is it's so interesting how these things happen over the years. Northwestern remember, Hayden, like 2016, like way back, they were the players at Northwestern wanted to unionize. And that was the first yes. time we heard about anything regarding players getting paid, NIL, whatever it may be. And that was that long ago. So for whatever reason, Northwestern is just like kind of the, the guinea pig for all these things <laughs> that are like, It's and and again during that time SEC players left and right were getting handed bags of cash right, but it wasn't legal at the time and nobody was saying anything about it. Northwestern's like, hey, we're going to be by the books and try to do things right and unionize, and it's like that never worked out. But the SEC players are still getting you know still getting major payments, and now it's all legal, of course. Northwestern's even you know screwed you know because they can't get uh, players in the transfer portal now where I'm sure hazing, this type of hazing happens at pretty much every school and pretty much every football team. They're the first ones to get found out. They have to fire their legendary head coach. And it's just like all bad for Northwestern for some reason.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Moving on to our second topic for this rundown segment. Carlos Alcaraz beat Novak Djokovic in five sets to win the Wimbledon championship this past week or weekend. Uh, Is Alcaraz next up or was this a fluke map? He's next up, man. I'm telling you, I I, I've gotten
1: more into tennis and uh, weirdly enough this year, um, mostly because I have more time at work now. So I'm just kind of keeping up with like, who's, who's winning, who's, you know, what the matches are saying and whatever they faced off in the French open semifinal Alcaraz and Djokovic did. Uh, Djokovic won, but that was because Alcaraz, I think he, I think he pulled his hamstring or something like in the, in the like first couple games in the match. So Djokovic literally basically, I mean, he didn't even have to play him any, he, and he basically he just went through, um, and obviously Djokovic won the French as well. So, um, he won the Australian, he won the French, he was going for, he was honestly going for the calendar slam Djokovic was, and Alcaraz was like, just stopped him in his tracks. And, and it's, it's really interesting to hear Djokovic talk after the after the match, he was basically like, Yeah, so the big three has been, you know, Djokovic himself, um, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal for the last you know 20 years basically, um, or 15 really, but Djokovic was like, Yeah, this kid is basically if you took the best um the best attributes of all three of those guys and put them into one tennis player, it's Carlos Acaraz. Like that's crazy. And the best part, Hayden, you're older than him. This kid is 20 years old. So he's gonna be here to stay. The only thing I think that'll kind of hinder him from becoming the Djokovic you know Federer and Nadal type player is his own body, which again, we see all the time. And, and, you know, we saw it in the, in the French semifinal, like he, he got hurt and he couldn't beat Djokovic, right? Djokovic, I don't think has gotten hurt in his entire career, right? <laughs> He's the leading, he has the most majors of any, you know, most, uh, they call it slams because major is in golf and whatever. But anyway, he has the most slams of any in male, uh, player in the history that the tide for the most in, of any of both women and men's, um, Ukraine slams in the history of the sport, like, I mean, he's just, he's like a, he's like a dolphin on the tennis court. Like he's just, he's built like a fish and he can move no matter what. And, and so he's a beast. And so it's like, he's been doing this for 15 years. Carlos Acaraz is okay. This is his second grand slam, but is he going to be able to, you know, kind of keep up with his longevity, longevity, you know, right. I mean, Djokovic is 36, right? So like, that's like, that's an insane, I mean, when Djokovic won his first major, I think, or no, if when Djokovic was the age that Carlos Saker is right now, Carlos Saker was, was four years old. So it's just crazy to think about how how young and talented he is all at the same time. And I hope that he's able to kind of you know be the next up and coming star in tennis and and really kind of see this through. Um, He definitely will, unless in in the next few years, especially. But I don't think I hope I just hope that like the injuries don't kind of build up and 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 hamper his career.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I think that he's. I mean, he he is the tennis world. Like Matt said, like he's. It's not even really going to be a big three, I think, at this point. I mean, you don't really know with tennis. Tennis is kind of random when guys just, like, all of a sudden become good or, or show up out of nowhere at some tournament. But, yeah, it's I don't even really think it's going to be a big three. And even if there is a big three, it's more going to be, like, a, a, a 1A and then, like, two 1Bs because it's he's just that good. So, uh, all right, moving on to the third topic here. In a perfect fate of the media buzz cycle, Victor Wembanyama went for twenty-seven points, twelve rebounds, and three blocks in his second summer league game. This is kind of out, a little bit outdated, but I think it was sometime last week. And then uh, the Spurs subsequently ended up shutting him down for the rest of the event, um, for the rest of the su- like summer league altogether after his second game. Basically, after he showed that he was worth the hype, and in, in some sense, they they shut him down. They were like, "Okay, we have." we have what we saw in him uh before the draft so we're happy with that and we're going to we're going to go ahead and shut him down so he doesn't get hurt so he doesn't his whole body doesn't f- shatter um so yeah so matt what do you, what do you think is is Wenminyama actually the truth or or do we think that maybe that, that was just a fluke in his first game wasn't
1: yeah could be could be yeah, yeah i just thought it was hilarious where everybody's like he sucks can't believe the spurs wasted out all- like can't believe you know we hyped him up to be the biggest or most hyped prospect in the history of the sport, and this is what we get. And then it's like the like two days after all of that came out, and we even talked about it on the podcast. And then like two days after that, he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm here to stay." Um, and it's so funny that the Spurs were just like, "Yeah, um, so yeah, you're done. We've seen all that we need to see." Yeah. Um, I I think he's gonna be great, similar to Carlos Alcaraz. You know, I I just hope he can kind of keep his body together. Um, and and again, we knew this coming in, the the way that Victor Romanian was built. He's going to get dunked on. He's going to get embarrassed because that's just the nature of that. You you take that with having a player that can do everything that he can offensively and defensively. Like, he's not going to win every possession. You know, funny enough, we were talking about Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony Davis is the closest to an actual do-everything big man that we've really seen the last, like, 10 years or so, pretty much ever ever since Shaq. Obviously, Anthony Davis is built like a like a stone wall. I mean, like he, you know, he, he's 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 very he's tall, obviously, but he's also very thick. So, obviously, different than Wembenyama. and is almost a foot taller than, or I guess half a foot taller than Anthony Davis, as it is. So, yeah, it's like you take what you can get. Um, and, and I think that right, just seeing that performance is really all they need to see. And and again, he's he's a young kid, like. He's going to be able to grow. He also, this was a, this is a point we didn't mention. He had played on his, so his team that he was playing on in France made it to the, 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 their version of the NBA finals. And he was playing in the championship series like a week before the draft, he gets drafted. I think he went back to France too, because, or no, he was actually in France while he got drafted because he was still playing for that team. So like this guy's gassed, man. Then he comes over to the U S and he has the whole Britney Spears thing, whatever that was. And then where, where she grabbed his butt and then like, has to play in the summer league and he sucks in his first game. Now he's getting all that's like, oh, you're the worst player ever. Like, come on, dude. You can't get out to this guy. So I think it was just a very a, a combination of a lot of bad things that kind of just all led into like all of what the story was. And hey, props to Victor Weminyama for getting up and putting up this performance because if he hadn't and he continued to struggle, it would have been it would have been bad for the news cycle, at least for him. Um, but he shoved it back in our faces. So I'm glad about that.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. All right, our last. Topic of the rundown segment here is DeAndre Hopkins, D-Hop signed with the Titans. I think it was probably, I think it was this past weekend. So um, more a little more than a few days ago at this point, but does this make any sense, Matt? Because there were actually two teams that were in the running, um, well, betting wise. There was two teams like right towards the end, the Chiefs apparently shot up in, in betting odds to get uh DeAndre Hopkins, which again, yes, you heard that right. The Kansas City Chiefs were about to get D-Hop. And I honestly don't. I probably wouldn't even have watched football this season if they did, because that would not have been fair. Like how for a, how do they have enough money? I get, I mean, they're paying Patrick Patrick Mahomes like the highest paid player in the history of ever, and then they're also going to pay DeAndre Hopkins. He he would probably take a pay cut to go there. I mean, I would. Anybody would. Um, and then they were going to have. I mean, you, you're talking about a team that their worst. The worst part about their team is their receiving core. Pretty much, I mean, like on average over the past few years, I mean, without Tyree Kill, like, yes, your your receiving score, your receiving core is going to be bad, and they were about to get D Hop on top of Travis Kelsey, who is probably the second best tight end ever at this point, probably in going on to be the first tight end or best tight end ever. Like that, it's crazy. It's it's honestly, it's nuts that they were about to get him, but then the Titans actually um ended up getting him, which I think is, is better because it is a little bit of a bal- balance of power here. But the Titans, dude, they it's just it just seems like they do everything except for figure out the quarterback situation. So that's that's really my take here is like, dude, if they can if they can get somebody to throw to him, that's not named Ryan Tannehill, who like you can never I would never trust to ever take me to a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, like they they have their team basically made except for. Brian Tanhill in the backfield there. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but we, I mean, we saw this happen with AJ Brown um, and he kind of d- didn't really, wasn't able to do much there. So, or like he got hurt, I guess, but he wasn't really able to produce like as well as people had hoped. Um, and then, yeah. So Matt, what do you think? I,
1: I think it's a, I think it's a good move. Um, and I think that you're, you're spot on, right. That, that, that there's nobody to throw to him uh, now, but I think that, I think I can see what they're trying to do. And again, too, I mean, he's, I don't even know how he's like 30, he's like 32. He's old, right? DeAndre Hopkins is, he's getting up there. So he won't be there for too much longer. I think what they're trying to do is, okay, obviously we have Derek and we have a good offensive line. We have Traylon Burks who they drafted last year, who who was good. And they didn't play the whole season, but he was good last year. Um, you get, you get DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. And then I guess hope that will Levis works out. Like I, that's the, that's the problem is, you know, right. Hayden didn't mention any, and like I said, he, He's spot on. Like Ryan Tannehill's the starter now, and he's the best option that you have because Malik Willis looked like he didn't know how to play football last year. And then Will Levis, who is a very—it's—he's—he's he's a reach, right? He—he's—you're drafting him on talent that hope that he can actually play well. And so if he—if he can and, and he's good, then you really have a setup here, right? You got Derek Henry, Dontrelle Hopkins, and and Traylon Burks. That's a good, you know, solid offensive scheme or you know something that you can do. You can make a scheme out of. But for what the team is right now, I don't expect. DeAndre Hopkins to have a great year. I don't expect it, I don't expect this to make the Titans any better than they were already going to be. I don't think they're gonna really compete to to win the division. I don't they're definitely not gonna make the playoffs this year. So yeah, it's just kind of a middle of the pack thing. Um and and, and right, if 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 D Hop was, you know, three or four years younger and they're getting him kind of on the, you know, on the, you know, kind of his prime to end of his prime, then that's cool. But I think that he's probably already towards the the end of prime period of his career right now um I do feel bad for the guy like he's never played for a good court well yeah a couple of years to Sean Watson and since then he's played with horrible quarterbacks um Kyler Murray is is he's an okay quarterback but he's he's not I mean you know we, we've been over this Kyler Murray whatever um so yeah so I, I don't know how it's gonna work out I don't think the Titans are gonna be good this year anyway so I don't know we'll get to that in NFL NFL previews coming up pretty soon
0: yeah, I'd like to know DeAndre Hopkins' record, like his his total record with all the teams that he's been on. Like, I, I feel like it would it'd be a very bad record because, right, like Matt said, like even – I mean, even when he was with the Texans, I guess – there
1: were a when, couple years cuz remember they they won they 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 won the division at least two years in a row. They got to the playoffs. They they lost to the Bills in the first year that when the oh, Bills yeah, were really good. One. They were um, winning,
0: right? Or was was No, that no, so that winning? no, I know what
1: you're talking about. So that was the the first year they lost to the Bills when Josh Allen, that was like the first the Bills coming out party. They went to the AFC Championship that year. The Bills did. The next year they were winning by 21 24, 24, 24 to nothing yeah, it was like yeah, 24 at zip. halftime yeah. or something. Yeah, they were up by 24 against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs come, come back and they yeah. win by 17 points. Like the 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 second half box score of that game was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> right. So that was kind of that. But they did have winning seasons during those during those times, I guess. Um, but then like but then basically after that um they still had the same pieces Deshaun Watson was, was playing there DeAndre Hopkins was there and they went four and 12 the next year and that was the, but that was when they had no like it was their offensive line was horrible Deshaun Watson remember that was the year Deshaun Watson led the league in passing and like passing efficiency and all this stuff and like they were still four and 12 which is like all right the, yeah. the quarterback is the key to winning in the NFL you have the best quarterback statistically in the NFL and you go four and 12 like that's just sad
0: yeah yeah that was an interesting season I, yeah the Texans I just they're one of the mo- more interesting teams in the NFL, like across history, I feel like, but uh, yeah, that's going to end off our segment or I guess our whole podcast for today. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you're still listening to this, we love you and we love the support that you are showing. Um, and yeah, we'll probably be back. I would say at some point next week, uh, this weekend, actually I'm going home this weekend. So we may be able to do one this weekend. Yeah, Matt. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Then let's, let's plan for that. Seems like anytime I promise something like that never happens, but, We'll, we'll try to keep our promise this time and get you guys one on Saturday or Sunday or one of those days. So with that being said, we're going to, uh, going to sign off here again. Thank you guys for the support uh, so far and look forward to seeing you guys this weekend.